This is Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois. The podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. And now here's your host, Navy SEAL founder of Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, Rob Dubois. In spring 2001, my SEAL platoon was making final preparations to deploy to the Middle East. Take special notice of that time and historical context. We would be deploying to the Arabian Gulf in a pre-9-11 world, intending to train Arab SEALs in a number of countries how to kill terrorists, and then fly home to Hawaii safe and sound just in time for Christmas with our kids. We were half right. I had the privilege and honor of preparing a couple hundred commandos and a half dozen nations, men who are among our most valuable allies today in the war against jihadism. But of course, we had no idea that halfway through that deployment, the towers would be struck and the world flipped upside down. We would deploy in peace and return at war, having conducted several of the very first operations of what would be called the, quote, War on Terror. You can read more about that in my first book, Powerful Peace and Navy SEALs Lessons on Peace from a Lifetime at War. But today's show is about a much more focused topic, that of extraordinary leadership. As we were ramping up to fly away for that cruise, one of my platoon mates approached me and said, Dude, you're so uptight about not drinking or cheating on your lady. This deployment, you're going to act like a SEAL. You're going to go out with us and get messed up, and you're going to get pull some strange ass and have a blast. Then when we get back, you can turn your precious integrity back on. And I want to point out, this friend had no personal understanding of the issues of alcoholism, and he was one of a few guys who believed their bachelor's on the road and married at home. Most SEALs are not that way, but to each his own. And I'm not here for virtue signaling. I honestly don't care what you think of me compared to what I think of myself. Choosing sobriety is not some kind of path to glory. It's how I don't die because of my particular medical condition. The point is that integrity does not get turned on and off. It is a simple, consistent condition. It is how you lead yourself or don't. I mentioned we're talking about leadership today, and I have an extraordinary guest to introduce on the subject. First, though, let me lay out some of the three key points for our high-impact task, task six on leadership, which is called Declare You're Done. First of the points on this boundaries setting is say no more. You need to find ways to respectfully decline requests from others or you'll never have the time to build the epic leadership role you were made for. Second is to boundarize everywhere. You've probably never heard that word because I made it up today. We all know boundaries are important, but I want you to understand that there are cascading boundaries. For example, you need to keep a healthy identity if you're going to be of any real use to your life partner. And the two of you need to have a healthy boundary with the kids so you have a united front and can raise them upright. And there needs to be a boundary around your home prioritizing partner and kids so work doesn't become more important. The final point is to lead yourself first. You can't effectively lead SEALs or anyone else until you have done the work of managing you. True leadership is by example, not dictate. And that's a great segue for our topic on leadership today to our special guest. But first, let me introduce my producer and impact coach, Eric Bond. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Happy to be joining you today. For those of you out there, you can track me down on Instagram at Eric Philip Bond. Ready to rock and roll today. Right on, Eric. We have an amazing guest today, a man who personifies self-disciplined, compassionate servant leadership, my guest, Jason Redman. Jason, welcome aboard. Rob, thanks for having me, man. Jason is the author of The Trident and Overcome, The Trident, The Forging and Reforging of a Navy SEAL Leader, which I literally finally just got around to reading in its entirety this past few weeks. 
And I was blown away. And I want to touch on that real quick before we dive into the interview, Jason. You know, we have a lot of brothers. SEALs get teased all the time. You got a book? You got a movie? You got a show? And in many of our cases, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. That's mine. I did the National Geographic gig crossing the Serengeti for migrations, and I got a couple of shows and a book, of course. But I want to refer to a specific guy. We both know his name, Brian Losey. He was Warcom for a while. Commander Brian Losey for me at the team before he went off and ran DevGrew or SEAL Team 6 with a commander there. Then he went up to, had a couple of other gigs and finally ended up at Warcom or Naval Special Warfare Command Commander. Uh, Brian is a friend of mine, retired second star uh, admiral now. And we were sitting and talking one day a few years ago. And he said, I asked him point blank about mine. I said, dude, we're getting teased left and right about our books. We all have this media presence. What do you think of that? And you touched on this in your book too, Jason. You talked about how you were reluctant in a way to even mention anything about your your life. We got to be the quiet professionals. But Brian said something profound to me, as you were told by people that said you need to tell the story. He said, I love your work. Your work needs to be heard. But most of these guys are grabbing the mic. That's what the phrase was. That His, his framing of it was, not everybody needs to tell their story just because they wear a pin, a trident. But you told an incredibly important story about the, the, the Trident, uh, called the Trident. And in that book, you go over an incredible path of not only your severe wounding in the firefight, and not only the path back from that, but all of your screw-ups, your arrogance, your mistakes of, of ego, and how you had to overcome them again and again and again, leading to the second book, Overcome, which is for leaders to need to, who want to understand how to overcome their own struggles in themselves and in the work. Can you tell me something about your understanding through having confronted all of your, your, your screw-ups and also, you know, why you had the courage to talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, Rob, you and I, you know, being interviewed and doing something with a team guy is always a, a fun and also we understand each other. We understand the community. We understand where we came from. I just finished, you talk about somebody else who totally humbled themselves and talked about their mistakes. The interview that was just done with DJ Shipley and Sean Ryan is an incredibly powerful interview. And DJ was right there with me in my gunfight. And I was pretty blown away by that interview. But there were things that DJ talked about in that interview that other people will find fascinating. But being there and being a team guy, I was like, oh yeah, like I get that. I relate to that. And I'll be honest, I'm, I'm even going to tee things up a little bit. When you talk about mistakes and messing up, there is this idea that as a leader, you are perfect. You are impervious to mistakes. There is this idea that as a, as a warrior, you have to be this you know, individual who has no feeling. Um, and neither of those things are true. <laughs> Leaders make all kinds of mistakes. And and, and when you go to war, we bring scars home and all of this. And DJ made that comment that he had reached out to some other team guys and said, hey, man, I'm feeling this. Have you ever felt this? And guys were like, no, man, I've never felt that. And I tell you what, it, 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 I felt that because I remember one time I asked a leader that I respected. I said, hey, man, have you ever doubted yourself as a leader? He was like, no, never. And I tell you what, I think that took me down the wrong path. Because I was like, well, there must be something wrong with me. So I'm just going to continue to drive forward and, and really kind of <laughs> made a lot of mistakes as a young leader. So 
that was the hardest journey I've ever walked to make these mistakes, to, to really be called out in our community. You, you, Rob, you well know our reputation is everything. We will tolerate a lot in the SEAL teams. We will tolerate character flaws. We will tolerate if you're just a pure straight up asshole. But if you're a good operator, that's almost everything. And, uh, and to be called out and said, you don't measure up as an operator. Yeah. I mean, that is a long, dark road. I mean, I almost took my own life because of the, <laughs> because of hitting rock bottom with that. So, so to come back from that and build myself back up and to go down this amazing journey of leadership, to try and understand where I had failed as a leader, to watch other leaders who were not good leaders, to watch other leaders who were great leaders and figure out how to all to do all that and to bring myself back up to have overcome all that. By the time I was injured and I started writing about some of the missions and my injuries and things like that, and people said, you should write a book, um, you know, it was pretty cut and dry for me. I was like, well, that's my story. And, and this is a true statement. God rest his soul. He passed away this year. But my agent for the Trident, the Trident almost didn't get published. He and I butted heads tremendously. He did not like the way I was telling the story. He was like, dude, more war stories. You know, don't talk about messing up. Nobody wants to hear that. And I was like, listen, man, that's my story. I was like, there's plenty of guys out there that have done a lot. And my story is I screwed up and I figured it out. And I personally think there's going to be a lot of people that will benefit from this because I know there's a lot of young men and maybe a few women. This is typically more of a male trait where we allow ego and arrogance to be our downfall. And I did. And thank God I got a second chance and came back from it. So that's why I told the story the way I did. It's profoundly moving. And I don't say that, I, you know, I don't even read SEAL books, honestly. I don't care. I mean, the Rogue Warriors, fun. Dumbo Dick Marcinko, Sharkman of the Delta, good stuff. You know, it's fun. It's like, it's like the movie Navy SEALs. But it's nothing like the actual experience, the transition, the, the trans... The, let's go back on that one, Sean. It's nothing like the actual process and the path of learning from mistakes. If you don't acknowledge mistakes, like your greater leaders talked about, you can't get the value from it. Uh, and it was, I just, I'm really, I'm shocked and amazed at how, how inspired I was by the fact you talked about every mistake, just put it out there and said, I screwed this up, I screwed this up, I screwed this up. And here's why it's good. I was there with you. I was a bad operator at one point. That is, it's like a death. Because we fought so hard to get there. We sacrificed everything. In fact, I, uh, I was married at the time when I went to Bud's. I don't tell many people this because it's back to quitters and quitters never, never, never uh, finish, right? Uh, when I was in Bud's first phase, before it was hard, it was scary, a little bit interesting, but it was never really hard, hard. It got hard later. Uh, and at one point, I actually was so rationalized up in my head with no stress, no pain. I was doing fine. I went to an instructor. I said, I need to quit because I'm going to be away from my family for all these years to come. Like you wrestle with in the book too, talking about, do I go back to the team? Do I go back to the team life? Actually, I actually had to confront that with a, a couple of surgeries of my own that put me down for almost a year, going back and facing the music, making a mistake. I went and I told him I, I need to quit because I got to go back to the fleet and be there with my wife and kids. He said, are you sure? I said, yeah. He walked me up the path and I talked to the training officer and I said, yeah, I need to, need to quit. There was, but we weren't in surf torture. We weren't suffering. We weren't falling off the, the slide for life or anything. It was just a rationalizing decision. And he said, okay, whatever, go hang out and we'll and talk to me later. Like you were talked to later. Hey, come, we'll see you in the morning kind of stuff. And 
I went and called my wife. I said, great news. I quit. And she said, oh, hell no. You did not put me through two years of hell just so you could walk in there and walk out in the first week. I said, yeah, it's great, right? She said, no, you go back in there and unquit. And I said, I don't think it works like that, but I'll go ask. And I went back and I asked and they're like, okay, sure, you're unquit. And I'm right back to the class. But one critical pain point in that whole fiasco was I had a guy who I won't mention here because he's an active SEAL, but he was one of the instructors. And he came over to me when we were back on the beach doing push-ups. I think I was on my back. I was, I was stationary on my back doing flutter kicks or whatever. He leaned over just as close as he could, put his face by my ear and said, you know what, Dubois, you're a, you're a quitter. You're a little quitter bitch. You know what quitters do? They quit. You're going to quit again. And I thought, fuck that. That's, that's not going to happen. There's nothing's going to break me. I began reciting, I won't back down, was the song. Uh, Tom Petty, I won't back down. And that was my, that was my manifesto. They're going to have to kill me, get, get me out of here. And I recommend that to young men these days. But being confronted like that, you're a quitter, you're a loser, you're a bad operator. It is agony for guys who have spent their entire lives trying to get to that point. I want to go back to uh, a couple of the points in the front end. I'm really amazed at the, uh, even the, chain t- the, the table of contents for Overcome sounds something like Impact Actual's 12 Tasks. You literally hit on several things here. For example, part two, lead yourself. Uh, lead yourself first was one of our concepts first because it isn't, you know, we don't lead by, um, and I definitely want to hear you unpack this. We don't lead by dictate. We don't tell people thou shalt because that's a positional authority and it has no power. Colin Powell said, if you think you're a leader and you look back and nobody's following you, you're not. It's about others willingly following you. Like I talked about Brian Losey. He made an impression on me early in my career, and I would have followed him to hell. I think you were talking in the book about driving a nitroglycerin truck to the gates of hell, something along those lines for following a powerful mm-hmm. leader. Uh, really, you know, people who show they care will inspire us to do what they recommend or their model, what they, what they represent in their, their moral authority as compared to positional authority. So lead yourself first is something that you did all along the way. Can you uh, unpack that a little bit and talk about how you had to learn? You were trying to be a positional leader. You were trying to tell the guys what to do. You were trying to be a good leader superficially. Correct. And yeah, it wasn't something I was doing all along the way. Uh, You know, I think I started out in my career that way, like most of us. I mean, you know, when you're younger and you're a new guy in anything, I mean, that's how you make a name for yourself is by leading yourself effectively. You know, you're, you're on time, you learn how to do things, you're in the right uniform yet. You know, those are little things that are, that are lower levels of leading yourself. But as it gets higher, it's how do we um, start to build structure and discipline into our lives? How do we make sure that we're locked on to the best version of ourselves and everything we do? And that starts to get to a much higher level. And, and somewhere along the way, I kind of lost that. Um, I, I, and this is where ego and arrogance came into play because I was really doing well. I mean, I was doing well at my SEAL team. I had, um, was a training instructor and, um, and got recommended for a commissioning program, got selected for that commissioning program went on to school and ended up being ranked number one out of the school and had done well. But the school environment is a very different environment um, because it is much more of a, as you're moving up within that rank structure, within a ROTC unit, it's a little bit more do as I say, you know, hey, so it's a little bit more of, um, you know, dictatorial leadership, if you will, which, you know, works well in a boot camp scenario, I guess, in an ROTC scenario. It doesn't work 
in a combat or the real world scenario. And here I was, I, I got commissioned and headed back to the SEAL teams and everything had changed overnight. 9-11 occurred while I was at school. And uh, here I was, I was this, you know, rock star, highly ranked uh, E6 when I left the SEAL teams and came back as an O1 thinking I knew everything, but everything had changed overnight. Uh, our tactics over the several years I had been gone, the SEAL teams had gone from uh, a group that really had very limited combat experience. I mean, we were still operating off all the old Vietnam era tactics when 9-11 happened. And suddenly we quickly realized that they did not work in Iraq or Afghanistan. And there was a total rewrite of all the tactics in the, uh, you know, 02, 03 into the 04 timeframe so that by the time I got to the team, everything had changed. And here I was hanging on too tight and trying to lead by saying, hey, follow me because I'm the leader, but I sure wasn't leading myself. And I was too proud to say, I don't know how to do this. I saw that. And this is a big issue that a lot of young leaders make. They see that if I say I don't know how to do something, it's a demonstration of weakness as a leader. So they're afraid to do it and they won't do it. And it actually gets you in more trouble, which it did with me. Um, you know, people, I mean, if you're clueless, here's the thing. If you're a young leader and you're willing to say, I don't know how to do this, as long as you have the ability to learn relatively quickly. I mean, if they have to tell you 27 times, there's going to be a problem. At that point, they're going to start losing confidence and faith in you. But uh, I wasn't even willing to do that. And, and on top of that, I had grown up in the pre-9-11 era where we, we trained hard and we partied even harder, man. And I embraced that lifestyle when I was a young team guy. So I came back as a young leader and I had some friends in my platoon. I wasn't doing very well. So all of a sudden, what did I do? Well, I'll just, I'm going to start drinking to try and drown my sorrows. And all of that just became this perfect storm, man. I was not leading myself in any way whatsoever. As a matter of fact, you know, Rob, I, I came across something in the attic the other day and I've been thinking about doing something with this. When I got commissioned, I made a plaque and on one side, I had my E6 Crow, and on the other side, I had my, my uh, bar and, um, and the officer crest. And I wrote down like these 10 quotes, like, you know, something from Sun Tzu, Robert E. Lee, you know, all these great leaders. And uh, I did not follow hardly any of that stuff. It was such a piece of shit. It was such a, a lie. You know, this thing that I wanted to put on my wall and be like, look at me, man, I'm such a great leader. I wrote down these quotes, but I wasn't living any of it. I was failing to lead myself. I mean, really, I was like, hey, do as I say, uh, but not as I do. And uh, and yeah, man, it led to my downfall. I mean, you know, by by the time we got to head off to Afghanistan, I had uh, I had done OK. I mean, I will admit I'm a good enough operator that my operational skills, I was getting back up to speed. I'm a good enough shooter. I'm a good enough operator that all of that was doing well. The problem was I was drinking my face off anytime we went out. I had a pretty big personality conflict with my chief. And instead of trying to work on that, I just probably resented him more than anything else. And he and I really butted heads. So all these things were just creating more and more problems for me. By the time we got ready to deploy to Afghanistan, I remember, I don't, I don't even remember who told me, but somebody was like, hey, 
you guys are not going to Afghanistan first. You guys are going to Europe first because your OIC was very junior. You know, they, they, they felt like our chief was kind of abrasive. And they said, Redmond's a drunk. And, and that's what I heard through, wow. you know, a friend of mine who was involved in the higher levels leadership of the team. And that should have been a wake up call to me. But instead, I chalked it up, oh, whatever, man, and headed over to Europe and just kind of continued to do more of the same. You know, if there's any one thing, any, I don't want to call this a redeeming quality, but a consistent quality, I'm a slow learner, man. And I finally learned, but man, I am a slow learner. Like I have to go through, uh, you know, fire and, and, and vats of alcohol having been cut with razor blades before I finally learn and uh, finally got to that point. And uh, that was, I mean, we're really going down the rabbit hole on this, but at the end of the day, I mean, all of it culminated with that bad call on that mission. And, and all of it came to this perfect nexus point. I'm skipping over so much stuff. But I, I tell you, the nexus point and the eye-opening moment was in ranger school. Out of getting myself in trouble, thankfully, the leadership believed enough in me. Um, there were guys in my platoon who were like, kick this dude out. He is dangerous. He's going to get somebody killed. And they're probably right. You know, the way I was leading, the decisions I was making, you know, if that had not happened, who knows what would have happened in the future. But the, the leadership believed in me enough to say, hey, we think this guy's got potential. We just need to humble him. And there was a series of things that occurred. And one of those things was they sent me to ranger school. And it was at ranger, and at ranger school is where uh, I, I really, in my opinion, hit the rock bottom point of my leadership. Because in ranger school, I allowed my emotional leadership to fail and quit. I had failed the land nav course. I was angry. I was bitter. I had a major attitude, a chip on my shoulder towards anybody around me. And, uh, and I failed the land nav course from my own arrogance because I arrogantly thought that I could knock out this six-hour course in about two and a half hours. So I just waited for the sunrise thinking, man, you know, I, I can do this whole course. You know, I, I taught land nav. I know how to do these things. And yeah, the Ranger School land nav course, it's, it's, uh, it's not that it's incredibly difficult, but it's very spread out. You know, you can't make it. And I did not, and I failed it. And the instructors started to heckle me, and I quit. You also mentioned in that part that you were using a lensatic, the army guy stuff, and you and Correct. I are used to Silver Rangers. That's a huge difference. It is. And I messed that up too. So it was a lot of arrogance. Once again, ego and arrogance that really led to uh, my downfall. But the next day, so the instructors were ecstatic. They were like, a SEAL quit. This is so great. We can't wait to get rid of you. And uh, so they're cheering and basically drive me back to the barracks. And they say, okay, the next morning you got to go see the colonel. And I remember I could not sleep a wink that night, man. Like, I was like, what the fuck are you doing, man? What is wrong with you? Like, like you've never quit anything. Like, you know, you've already messed up on so many levels. Why would you do this? Like, this is the stupidest thing you've ever done. But I was still the victim. I had this victim mindset that I've been thrown under the bus with everything that's happened. I still had not come to the, the full point of, guess what? You know, there's a reason you're here. And it's not because other people threw you under the bus. And it was in that meeting with the Ranger Colonel the next day that um, he put me on the phone with um, Vince Peterson. His real name is out there, but I tell you what, I respect the guy so much. I still talk to him. He doesn't really want his name out there. He is one of the last. 
of the few warriors I know, they don't make people like that anymore. And so I've chosen not to release his name, but Vince Peterson was probably one of the best leaders I ever worked for. And he got on the phone and he said, Red, what are you doing? And I was like, sir, you know, I'm just, I've screwed up too much. I can't, you know, I'm never going to be able to go back. The guys are never going to take me back after all the mistakes I made. And this was the pivotal moment for me. He said to me, Red, people will follow you if you give them a reason to. He said, that's the essence of leadership. So it doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. He said, if you are doing the right things, it's only natural that people will follow you. Just how the world works. It's how humans work. So he said, go back to that course, kick it in the ass and come back to the teams and give these guys a reason to follow you. And uh, I remember hanging up that phone and I looked at the colonel and was like, hey, can I uh, can I get back with my class? He was like, absolutely not. <laughs> can I unquit? Yeah, he said, you are rolled. Uh, you can go sit in Ranger Jail for the next month. And uh, and that was incredibly humbling because I walked around uh, Fort Benning, Georgia and picked up trash for a month. Here I was, a 13-year Navy SEAL, combat veteran, and uh, picking up trash at Fort Benning. But I tell you what, it was the best thing that ever could have happened to me because for the first time in my life, I came to grips with who I was, my strengths, my weaknesses, that I definitely was not the leader that I wanted to be, that I definitely was not leading myself in any way. You know, that stupid plaque that I made for myself, you know, was just a, uh, it was, it was a plaque of failure is what it was. And it made me realize that I needed to make some big changes. So that started from that point on the new journey of, you know, trying to lead myself and, and into the three rules of leadership that I set for myself out of that lead yourself, lead others, lead always. That is uh, an amazing path because it, it is required. It's like a, there's a process. You know, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits, talks about the law of the farm. You can't check the carrots to see if they're done growing. You don't pull them up and check to see if they're all grown up. You, you have a process. Everything goes through a process. And this human process of ours about becoming a good leader has a massive amount of pain involved. The real reward comes from the real suffering or, or, or arduous conditions, going through some heavy shit, not just putting... I've got lists in my file folders of a uh, million lists of things I said, yeah, go get them every day, wake up motivated, all the, the fluff and nonsense stuff you're describing. Leadership. I can get a Seneca quote. I can get a uh, Marcus Aurelius quote. I can get all the quotes, but if I don't live it, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. I want to talk about the Overcome Army, Overcome the book, the Overcome concept and philosophy. But before we wind, r- wrap out of Trident, I want to throw something out there for our listener who is a leader and is not satisfied with that with their position with their own doubts by the guys if you will in our platoons we had terrible experiences which were actually hugely gifting to us and we got an opportunity to grow from it and we had to get broken down to experience it how does that person begin to deal with when timmy or tammy whichever one's the manager the leader at the supermarket or in the lawyer firm or whatever whoever these people are they're not seals but how do they start to go back and earn the respect of the guys? Well, first off, recognize it's never too late. I hear that a lot. People think, man, I've messed up too much. I've made this mistake. I've, I'm, I'm not a good leader. I can never be a good leader. Um, you know, whatever, whatever lies that we tell ourselves, that's just not true. It's never too late. I don't care if you're, you know, 27 or 70. Um, you know, it starts today. Uh, you know, it starts with formulating a plan and, and 
And I tell everybody, if you ever get off track in leadership, if your team is off track, if your family's off track, uh, just go back to yourself and start looking at, okay, how am I doing? What kind of structure and discipline am I placing into my own life? And, and start right there. And I break it into three different categories, one physical, one personal, one professional, and start locking those down every day, a different goal in those categories and knock them out, get them done. And uh, you will see that things will start to tighten up when your own life is getting on track. Once again, it goes back to that rule that Vince Peterson talked about, you know, people will follow you if you give them a reason to. So uh, that's what I tell people. It's never too late. And start with you. 70% of leadership is your ability to lead yourself. Right on. That's exactly what we talk about, too. This, this idea I said about declare you're done, setting healthy boundaries. I'm not going to go out and do these behaviors. They're fluffy. They're wasteful. This is not my focus. What's working on my mission? A big part of your, your teaching is about execute your mission. And that is literally what we talk about, too. The mission in our, in our, in our tasks is go out there. But you have to get clarity first. You have to clarify what the hell it is I am what the hell it is I truly want to do. I mean, I had a coaching client one time, a young corpsman, who said, make me a SEAL. I said, cool. We got a contract going. He's gonna, he's on the path, path to become a good SEAL, uh, talking about the credo, talking about his mindset. And two months into it, because of the clarity he received from himself about himself, through my help, walking him through these questions, he said, Rob, I am, I am so sorry to tell you this, but uh, I don't want to be a SEAL anymore. I said, good, because I don't care if you want to be a SEAL. I care if you want to be the best damn version of yourself. And he said, that's what I realized. I want to be the best damn corpsman in the Navy. And he set out to do that. And he's, he's on a very good path to do exactly that. He thought he wanted to be a SEAL. Like you've had encountered 10,000 young men who want to be a SEAL. I want to be a SEAL like you. But I tell him, dude, go be a florist, be a musician, be an architect. Whatever you're designed for is what you should really be doing. Everything else is hollow. If you chase the, the illusion of what a Navy SEAL is because of some popular media thing, you're not living your destiny. You're not living your truth. And that authenticity is critical. That's about what you're talking about there, isn't it? With your getting real with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we all have strengths and weaknesses. And, and it is understanding who we are. I mean, that is one of the big things in my, my newest book, you know, defining relentless belief in your mission understanding who we are, what our values are, both the good and the bad. Like one of my values is I, I like recognition. I, I enjoy being on a stage. I enjoy it. Um, and there would be some people that say, well, that's a vain value. Okay. It, it could be if I allowed it to drive all my decision-making in my life, but it is a value that is a part of who I am. Now, there are other values, my family, uh, my health, uh, giving back, making an impact. And that's why we have to understand these things and make sure that we're in alignment with who we are. And you're not lying to yourself. Because I, I mean, Rob, you know it, man. I've been out there and I meet people and I'm like, hey, man, what are your values? And they're like, faith, finance, fitness. And I'm like, great, man. So uh, I haven't seen you in a church in six years. Uh, you're about 20 at least 20, if not 40 pounds overweight. And dude, you are up to your eyeballs in debt. So how are those your, explain to me how those are your values. And they're like, oh, well, that's what's important to me. And not really, because if you're not living your life by it, it's not important to you. It's no different than the failure plaque. I may write that on there. I think I may redo this and bring it, the failure plaque, because that's really what it was. It was just a bunch of bullshit words on a piece of wood that meant nothing to me. I wasn't living them. And, um, you know, that, that, that's what it's about. So you've got to understand who you are, how you tick, 
and you got to do it for you at the end of the day. Um, recently, not that long ago, I was with a, a young man who I won't get into the details. I, I try never to shine the spotlight on people who don't want the spotlight on them. But I'll just say uh, he is a young man who is thinking about becoming a SEAL and has uh, some, some he's, he, he comes from a strong lineage. And I told him, I said, well, listen, you know, you can't do it for your dad and you can't do it for your mom. It's got to be for you. Uh, and there are other people that'd like to see you do it, but none of that matters, man. Like you have to fervently believe that this is who you are and this is what you want to do, because that's the only way you're going to make it through training. It's the same thing in our lives. If we don't fervently believe in our mission and our purpose and what we're doing, then you're going to be miserable. You know, you're going to be one of these people that get up every morning. And you're like, I hate my job and I hate my life. Be because you're not fulfilling your purpose. You're not fulfilling the values of who you are and the mission. Well, I believe it goes back to our original design, our, our unique design, you know, what I was made for. I have to find it and then start living it. And then I wake up with, thank God it's Monday. Yeah. Hey, Jason, I wanted to, to hop in here really a quick second. Um, when you talk about leading yourself first, most people lead themselves last. Um, you know, they have their job that takes up eight to 10 hours a day. Then maybe they have a side hustle and they have, uh, a husband or a wife and kids and all that and, and their excuses you know, I don't have time for myself or I don't have time to take care of things um, you know what would you say to somebody that you know is, is putting themselves literally in that food chain forth um, instead of putting themselves first how would you get them to kind of reroute their thought process to put themselves first because you you can't you can't lead anyone else if you can't lead yourself and you're and, and you're not you know as you mentioned if you're not in the in the place where you need to be first. So I I, I talk about the um, in overcome, and I'll just real quickly. When I wrote the Trident, there were a lot of people who read it and were like, "How did you do that?" And uh, I'll be honest, I couldn't really answer that question. I could answer it by saying, hey, man, I, I figured out how to lead myself and, you know, the, the overcome mindset. But I could not give people a step-by-step -step process. And it actually took me quite a few years to peel the onion back and to really look at my life and who I was and how those things came to, came to be. Um, and one of the things that came out of that, that journey to write, overcome, was this idea of the Pentagon of peak performance, the five key areas that you have to lead yourself in order to be an effective, balanced leader. And I realized that everybody in life is going to go through crises. We're going to have failures. We're going to have crises. And um, when we have seasons of success, we have a tendency to get out of balance because we continue to do the exact same things and typically focus on only the things that are yielding success and maybe not the other areas of our life that we need to be putting some time and effort into. Um, so why do I tell you all that? Well, I had yet to fail up to the point in my career when I failed as a young leader. So I was totally out of balance. I was focused on my career. Uh, you know, physically, I'm, I'm normally pretty good physically. So physically, I was good. Mental leadership, I, I was terrible. I was not educating myself. I wasn't challenging my beliefs. I wasn't looking for good mentors to mentor me. Emotional leadership was horrible. My social leadership was not good. And my spiritual leadership was shit. Um, so I was totally out of balance when I, when I ran into these issues as a young leader. But when I decided that I was going to come back, that comeback journey of two years 
it was critical that I had to build all these areas. So physically, I had to be in great shape. Mentally, God dang, man, I read every leadership book I could find. I watched every leader taking notes, trying to figure out how can I be a better leader? I don't want to be like that guy, but I definitely want to be like that guy. Um, man, I made a lot of mistakes. I don't want to be like me again. So how do I figure out how to be different? Um, you know, emotional leadership. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a passionate guy, but I came to learn that as a leader, you've got to control that. Um, you know, you can't have too high a highs and you definitely can't have too low a lows, man. You gotta, you gotta lead positivity in the face of negativity. And I've learned the power of that, you know, throughout my career, social leadership, how do we build the rings of influence around us? And then spiritual leadership, how do you get outside of yourself to have perspective that everybody has problems? Yours are not unique. Like, you know, um, give back and it's going to give you much more. And obviously, um, faith has played a part in my life. It doesn't apply to everybody. Why do I tell people all that? And Eric, coming full circle to your question, the reason you need to take care of yourself first is because out there somewhere on the horizon, a crisis is waiting for you. And if you, like me, had put all your eggs in one basket of, you know, oh, I'm going to be this great leader, and I, and I wasn't, when the world came crumbling down, I crashed hard. And uh, I almost destroyed. I put a gun in my mouth and almost blew my brains out in Afghanistan when I made those mistakes as a young leader. Um, and thankfully, man, God stepped in and was like, what are you doing? Like, dude, like, put that down. You see that family over there on the table, those pictures? Like, you need to go home to them. Like, get up and go see the chaplain. I did. Um, but this balance... I, I equate it to like a, a, a table, and in this case with a Pentagon, a five-legged table. I mean, a one-legged table can't stand, two legs, you got to get really creative to make it stand. Uh, three legs, it can stand, but I mean, a toddler can flip it over. Um, a four-legged table, obviously the most efficient, but still not that difficult to flip over a four-legged table. A five-legged table that has big legs and a, and a really solid, strong top pretty damn hard to flip that table over. And that's the idea. If we're taking care of ourselves first, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, spiritually, you are better able to withstand the storms that are coming. And, and make no mistake, they're coming for all of us. That's why it's critical that you invest in yourself first. Put that time in. Get that workout in. Better energy. Manage stress better. Uh, your immune system's better, all these things, social leadership, you've built these rings of influence with the people around you. Um, you know, I try and tell people that when a life ambush or a major crisis comes, that work, all the work and your primary profession, that can go away in a second. But you know who's still with you? And God, pray that you put the time and effort into them. Because I tell you what, when you have a major crisis, it puts a pressure test on every relationship around you. And if you didn't invest in it up front, I've watched so many break and fail. That's why you invest in yourself and, and those rings of influence around you first. Your um, analogy of the five legs of the table actually describes it too. When you talk about putting the energy into it, that makes them the same length, if you will. The, you know, the visual of having an uneven table, like you and I focused on our careers for years and the other legs were short. That means the table is already tipping it makes it easier to tip. If, if you put no energy into one or two or three of them, you've got the three or the two-legged table, it's just bound to fall over. We have to build that resilience. Balancing is something we talk about in Impact a lot too, making the, the idea of balancing across body, mind, heart, and soul, for example, in this fifth area, the done zone, healthy boundaries. 
And you can't pour from an empty vessel, right? That's the idea. We have to not only lead ourselves first, but in a way, love yourself first. Although it sounds really touchy-feely and unseal-like, we do. If you don't love yourself, as I and I've, I've gone through some amazing stuff. I've, I've learned uh, through trauma therapy for PTS combat programs that a lot of us walk into the combat arms because we come from earlier child, childhood trauma or other traumas that make us look for the adventure, look for the crazy, look for the disorder, look for the dysfunctional. That leads us into a combat zone, which gives us trauma from the combat zone. <laughs> and now we have layers upon layers, but it all comes from being destabilized from the beginning, not having that healthy, bound, healthy balance and such. I want to talk about the overcome army. What is it? And I got one funny question from the book too, because I want to, don't, don't forget this. Remind me, we got to talk about the van fight. Cause I literally almost fell out my chair when you talked about the van fights in the book. Yeah. That is classic seal behavior. Well, well, let's go ahead and unpack it right now. Basically there's sure. one rule. Don't hit the driver. You talk yep. about bloody noses, twisted fingers. What is a van fight? So van brawl was, uh, and there were two different versions. I mean, one was just, you know, it would just be a van brawl that would break out, but the more common one was the radio. And, you know, there was a, there was a hierarchy in any van. We, we seals drove all across the country in vans, uh, especially prior to nine 11. I mean, you know, after nine 11 got a little more money. So guys got to fly a little more. Uh, but prior to nine 11, man, we drove everywhere in these 15 packs vans and there was a hierarchy you know, there usually would be a new guy driving and then it would be the chief or the OIC in that front seat. And then usually it was the LPO and maybe, you know, your top top dudes in the second row and then everybody else. And the new guys were all the way in the back and uh, they would, you know, the call would be radio and the new guys would have to start fighting their way up to the front of the van to try and change that radio station. And man, it would be an all out brawl, man. I mean, we would just be beating the shit out of each other in that van. Uh, you know, dudes would be pushing off the ceiling, trying to force themselves forward. And we fucked up some vans. And uh, man, like the back of seats would be busted down from dudes with their feet on the ceiling, trying to push themselves further forward. Like ceiling, you know, the liner would be ripped out. You know, seat belts. I saw seat belt things like broken. Uh, and needless to say, you know, we turn these vehicles in and transportation, man, they would be like, what in the fuck? And, and we'd be like, I don't know, man, you know, and you'd play dumb and just try and chalk it off. And they knew they knew. And uh, but yeah, man, van brawls were uh, were a lot of fun and a rite of passage, man. I mean, as being being a team guy. So they should only let us drive 30 minutes at a time so we don't get too bored. Yeah. Like have little play dates at every 30 minutes, stop and get out and run around and climb a tree and go back in the van. Yeah, probably, probably not the best uh, use of government funds. But <laughs> they say idle hands are the devil's workshop and never is that more true than with a van full of seals. Oh, they're dangerous. Nothing's more dangerous than a board seal. We were in Nyland getting ready during desert warfare stuff, driving past the canals. And a guy I'll call Mark, a very, very strong guy, was looking. He, he knew it was his birthday. We all kind of knew it, but we all forgot about it. It's like, whatever. Well, Mark is looking down at the, at the canal and uh, there happened to be water in it that day. And... He looked around and I, I happened to see him kind of my eye I can perceive what he's looking around like suspiciously, but nobody knew what he was thinking. Nobody was going to try anything, but we all in the back of our minds knew it was his birthday. And then he looked at one of us and said, there ain't enough of you. <laughs> 
well, famous last words. It turned out there were enough of us, but nobody was even thinking it until he said it. Like, like, you know, close your lips, dude. <laughs> yeah. He got, he got bloody and wet that day. But it was like a modified van fight. We love, I, I, I tried, tried driving as much as possible, you know, because it's no touching smart. the driver. That's that a safe, safe position. And so you talk about the new guy position in the van, because whenever you go over big bumps, that's the people that hit their head on the ceiling. It's the exact opposite in a boat, in a rib or a whaler. You put the new guys in the front on the bow because nobody gets slammed as hard as the guys in the bow. So new guys never get an easy ride. No, no. A buddy of mine's getting ready to retire, and he we were we when we were he went with me up to the Army Navy game, and he was telling me a story about when they were over on the Eastern Shore, dead of winter, and they got beached on a uh, on a on a sandbar. And, and they were not intending to get wet. And they were like, new guy, get in the water and start pushing us off this bar. And he was like, you know, it's dead of winter over there. And I mean, you know, man, the Atlantic and the dead of winter is like, you know, for, in its 40s. And he was it's like, magic temperature. it's the coldest I've ever been laying in the front of that boat riding back. It's like Kodiak, uh, where you go up into your dry suit appreciation by standing in the water at 33 degrees in your underwear for five minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Water is cold, can't it be? Yeah. Tell me. So I want to wind this down, honoring your time, but we have to talk about the Overcome Army. What is going on with that? Tell me what people need to be looking for. How do they get involved? So the Overcome Army was this idea. There's a lot of coaching programs that are out there, and um, but they're pretty expensive. And uh, I said, you know what? I want to make a program that's just affordable for for anyone. And and I'll be honest, sometimes we question the amount of value we're giving to people at this price point. Um, but we're doing it. We're doing it and we want it to grow. But the idea is we want to create a group that um, provides a level of accountability. It provides positive reinforcement and provides a place where people can talk about their problems. So it's not for everybody. You know, there's some pipe hitting individuals that would come into that group and be like, oh, man, you know, I don't want to be a part of this group. You know, people are talking about their problems, you know, so that's fine. Go, go elsewhere, man. There's probably, you know, some program that has you hitting yourself in the face with a two by four or something like that. That'll be good for you. I mean, I, you know, I don't judge anybody. Um, there's a time and place for that. Most people out there aren't looking for that. Uh, you know, the people who are want to be special operations guys go big, man, go beat yourself in the face with a bat all day. Um, most people are looking, how do I become the best version of myself? And that's what Overcome Army was designed to be. And uh, so it, it, is a, uh, it is a program. Um, we're getting ready to, to raise the rates up to $39.99 a month, which is still a great deal. Um, I've trained up some other coaches, two wounded warriors. Uh, my daughter's one of my coaches who is a certified fitness and nutrition coach. Uh, just won first place in her Olympic weightlifting competition. The Damn. lightest, the lightest woman in it, and lifted the most weight. Congratulations! Um, so she's our nutrition and fitness coach, and it's just designed to give people feedback and to give people a positive place where they can go and talk about their problems and go after their goals. We have quarterly one goal challenges where you know we we rate and we encourage people to accomplish their goal, and when they accomplish their goal, we we award whoever you know did the best trying to go after their goal. So that's what the Overcome Army is about, is just an army of individuals who are trying to be better. Um, because I think in this life, that ultimately is what we all want to be, just a better, I know I do, 
Every day, I want to be a, a slightly better version of myself. And sometimes I fall short. But guess what? Tomorrow's a new day. Monday's a new week. Let's get at it. And that's what it's about. So you can learn more at overcomearmy.com if you want to learn more about that. I want everybody to go there. I want, and tell them Rob Dubois sent you. And, you know, you talk about a really important point there. Like uh, people are like, oh, they're talking about problems. Well, that is actually what a human being does. It is n- we're not cartoon characters. You and I were SEALs. We're not cartoon characters. But that's what, you know, Charlie Sheen made a cartoon character out of Navy SEALs. God bless him. It's a fun show. I like it. But it is not what a human being is. A human being does overcome adversity. We do push up the hill. We do roll the rock in front of us or sometimes fly down the hill with pallets on our back as in yeah. San Clemente. There are incredibly extraordinary feats of strength and, you know, airing of grievances like Festivus. But we have to also have the courage to admit our weaknesses, our fla- our failings, our doubts, exactly like you did in the Trident. That, that was so powerful to me. That is courage. It's not courageous to say, I can take it, put one more on my back. Anybody can do that. A monkey can do that. We used to say in the teams, probably still do, it's easy to be hard. It's hard to be smart. I can, uh, I can tough anything out until I'm dead. But why don't I just try to take it to the next level and dealing with issues and talking about things? Because as I talked about in the front of Powerful Peace, so many wounded warriors, so many PTS people in our community don't talk. And then they do eat the bullet. They don't talk. And then they do drink the bottle and they do crash the car. They do kill a baby. So many people hide. We did. I mean, you and I hit our injuries in the teams. We didn't talk about it because if you talk about it, they'll down you. God forbid you get down. It's like being called a non-operator, non-hacker. But we have to confront the reality of daily life, building your relationship with your partner, building your parenting skills. It's a whole thing. That's what the Pentagon's all about. It's it's about being a, a whole person, not just a cartoon character. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, spot on. How do people find you? I know that we want to go to Overcome Army. I want them to follow you too. Are you just Jason Redman everywhere for all the socials? Because I want you to have a massive following after this episode. Massiver. Yeah, thanks, man. So on socials, I'm Jason Redman, WW. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So I had a TikTok for about a minute, and then I decided (laughs) I wasn't going to go down that road. Didn't have the moves, huh? Well, actually, I mean, if you go look at there's, uh, I think we did three videos and it was during the height of COVID and we actually, they're pretty funny, man. We do some dancing and I just tried to make some, you know, try to have some levity and have some fun with it. But uh, I was just like, oh my God, I'm trying to do too much here. I can't, I can't become a TikTok star on top of everything else. You got to declare you're done. Say no yeah. more. So I, I, I'm focused on, you know, leadership. I am going to try in 2022 I had a buddy call me out recently and a great dude. I love him. He's become a great friend. And he said, you know, man, Jay, he said, you put out such great content on leadership, but he said, we never get to see who you really are. And and he's right. So in 2022, I'm going to try and, as he said, let your swagger out a little more. Right on. Because uh, yeah, I'm a dad. I'm, I'm, I'm a husband. I'm, I like to ski. I like Ohio state. I like seeing Navy kick army's ass. Hell um, yes. You know, those are that's who I am. I'm funny. I'm a dork. I, I love superhero movies and sci-fi movies, and I love to read. And you know, I love deep thinking and deep conversation. So I mean, these are things that I need to do a better job of because I, I relentlessly just leadership and all this. So next year, that's my goal. This is my announcement. My my coming out. <laughs> oh, he's out. <laughs> the closet will never shut again. Yeah, hey, exactly. that is that's who we are, though. Like I said, the third dimension. We're people. 
you know, I'm the same way. I've been a nerd my whole life. I learned through reading this that you were an IS. You're an Intel weenie. Yeah. Originally. I'm a CT. Uh, what we used to call a fucking CT in the Navy, which is a cryptologic technician, which is like a, it's like an intelligence specialist who doesn't have their head screwed on quite straight. Weird, weird dudes that do code were breaking an NSA work. So the 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 level of of, of uh, full dimensions, 360 degrees. We are full three three dimensional human beings. You know, Jason Gardner over at Echelon Front is a fantastic hero guy with plenty of war stories, uh, Master Chief retired with lots and lots of experience in the zone, and he plays Dungeons and Dragons with his children at night. That's awesome. That's a human being. That's who we are. Yep. You have done me an incredible honor by coming here today. I so appreciate it, and I so appreciate the, the wisdom you're sharing with the community here. We want people to hear this. We want people to hear it doesn't matter where you are right now. Start today. That's right. It's never too late. It's never too late, you know, in any capacity of your life. It's never too late to get in shape. It's never too late to be a better leader. It's never too late to be a better spouse, parent. Those are lies. It's just lies you've been told. And, you know, you're not a victim. That's another lie that's being fed across this nation. You know, it doesn't matter where you came from, race, creed, color, demographic, gender persuasion. None of that matters. You have the ability to lead yourself. It takes one step. And everybody's going to see that as you do come out of this closet of uh, nerdism and other facts. Hey, I'm probably going to watch The Hobbit again tonight. So they're all going to see that at Overcome Army. <laughs> I'm super excited. We're, we're recording this a little bit earlier. I'm beside myself for Matrix 4 getting ready to come Oh, out. hell yes. Absolutely. Yeah. OvercomeArmy.com is the first place to see everything you're doing. As you start doing your Macarenas on TikTok next year, whatever people need to see. <laughs> Instagram Reels. I'm going to do more Instagram Reels. <laughs> right on. And Overcome Army, they'll get the updates and so forth. And I'm sure they can tag into your newsletter there and so forth. So just make sure, folks, that you're listening. I did my first Instagram Reel the other day. Fantastic. Although my... My friend, who is a doctor, was beside herself, not very happy. She helps with my programming. I, I basically was joking in this video that that I was still 20 grams light on protein that night, but my buddy who was retiring was there and said we needed to drink the whiskey. So I said, I'm just going to multitask. And I poured the protein powder in the whiskey and chugged it. I saw that you used a frother. That tasted terrible. Oh, yeah, I did. Too. I used a frother. You're right. Yeah, I frothed it up, and uh, I don't recommend that ever, ever again. That was probably a horrible, horrible cocktail. Yeah, but it was fun, and it was funny. Anyways, my first Instagram reel. Right on. I'll be watching for more of those. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, thank you, guys. Rob, thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for what you're doing, trying to, same as me, trying to get out there and help people be better versions of themselves. That's all we can do. Just keep showing how and learning, because the more we learn, the more we can show. Yep. I'm definitely always learning. I'm, I'm really, really glad we could do this episode on leadership. Um, it's taken a few episodes to get to this point, but this was the most important one I want to talk about. So people can lead themselves first. Gentlemen and ladies and gentlemen in the audience, have a fantastic day. Go out and make an impact and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. For more information about Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, visit impactactual.com. And be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen so you'll never miss a show. We'll see you next time on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois.